0: This wasn't, once again, meant to be something that we just kind of check the box, some nice spiritual thing we do. But, man, if we don't connect to it in some way, we're kind of missing the point, right? Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week. The Anchor podcast features Sunday sermons. To hear this live and before subscribers do, join us in Rockport, Maine on Sunday mornings at 10 for worship and before that at 845 for prayer service. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. Lately, we've been talking about this. A few weeks ago, we talked about what fasting is, and we talked about what fasting is not. And then we talked about uh, basically moving from a position of doubt to a position of faith when we pray. And then last week, we talked about intercession. That may be a new word for some people, but simply means that we just uh, begin to pray on the behalf of somebody else. And, and today, I kind of want to shift gears. It's kind of it's been a unique week. Uh, I, I, almost, I don't have a central main theme that I want to attack today. I, I just have a smorgasbord. That's always a weird word uh, basically of ideas on prayer that I want to give. And, and, and part of that, I believe is because, uh, we have people in the room today that, and this isn't throwing a rock at anybody, but, but you really, you rarely pray. Right. And so, but all the way to people basically in the room today that basically can pray for hours and not skip a beat. And, uh, anyway, so I kind of want to do my best to hit all that today. So it might be fun. All right. So anyways, so if you have your Bible, uh, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 11. We're going to sit in Luke 11 for most of our time today. If you, turn, if you have your Bible, Luke 11, if you're taking notes, we just titled this When You Pray Part 2. We got really flashy with that title over there. It was great. <laughs> titles are like the worst. I hate coming up with titles. Most of the time I come up with a title and Jen tells me that's stupid. And so... <laughs> Then we argue and fight a little bit, and then she has her way, and then you see what she comes up with. Anyway, so occasionally I win, but if you're there in Luke 11, say, oh, yeah. 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 Awesome. Let's pray one more time. Father, we thank you for today. Lord, we thank you for your anointing. God, we thank you. God, that you said in your word that the Holy Spirit is the teacher, and we know that the Holy Spirit is here, and we know that he's doing what he does, and that's teaching us. And so, Lord, we just choose to meet him there in faith. We choose to open up our hearts and just believe today, just receive everything that you have. And so, Lord, thank you for coming and speaking to us exactly where we're at. Lord, we thank you that you're so personal and so intimate, God, and you have the ability to talk to us as individuals, God, to help us to progress and grow in you. And so, Lord, we thank you today for releasing life change. Thank you for just, uh, just allowing us to connect with you in a deeper way. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right, let's look at verse 1. We're going to uh, stop and go a little bit more than I like, but we're going to go for it today. Here we go. Uh, Luke chapter 11, verse 1. It says, it happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place, after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John also taught his disciples. So I want us to notice a few things here, okay? First of all, I want us to notice this. and This is almost a no-brainer, but, but if, if Jesus, who is the Son of God, God in the flesh, and then we have John the Baptist, who the Bible says that was filled with the Holy Spirit in his mother's womb. That's pretty incredible, right? Don't know of another person that that's happened to. But if Jesus and John needed to pray, how much more do we need to pray? Amen? How much more, right? And the the second thing I want to kind of see here is this, is that when the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. Somebody say to pray. Pray. I think that that kind of shows us the first key to prayer. And it's simply this, is that we should pray, right? That is really the, the battle. It's to pray. How do you fight if you don't get into one, right? Yes, Yes. So, so listen, the, the reason I say that, and that might sound so silly that the first key to pray is just to pray. The, the reason I say that is because I cannot tell you over the last, oh golly, two decades, when people want to come, they want to talk to me and they say, pastor, I need to talk to you. I'm struggling with some things. I say, all right, let's talk. It, you know, if I ask them, or just as the conversation goes, inevitably a majority of those people who are struggling in their walk with God are just struggling with some issue in life. A majority of the time they're not praying. And the truth is, gang, I say that today to say this. If you get yourself in a spot, have, have some honesty with yourself and pull back and go, okay, am I doing, am I connecting with God? Because the truth is, is if you're connecting with God, it would fix a lot of things. Yes? And, and, and the truth is, is uh, he does have the answer. He's not a bad one to go to, right? So, so listen to me. It, it doesn't really matter to me. If you, if there's a balance, what I'm about to say, but it doesn't matter to me if you pray for 15 minutes or if you pray for three hours, I'm just saying, just pray, just pray, please. Right? Cause I believe if you do that, uh, you'll be pleasantly surprised of the impact that having a personal prayer life, how much it will change your life. Right? In other words, let me kind of make something clear. When I say prayer life, I mean that you have a predetermined time and place where you set aside so you can be alone with God. Now, now, watch this. You, you may think, oh, whatever. But, I, I, you know, I have people tell me all the time, well, I, I'm, I'm praying when I'm going down the road. I'm praying while I'm working. I'm praying while I'm doing this. And I get that. I pray all the time. But, but there's nothing that will ever replace the solitude where you go and you actually just begin to open your heart up and you begin to focus on the Lord and, and you begin to have that moment with him that's distraction free. Trust me, yes? And, and the reason I say 15 minutes, just get started, please, right? Just get started. And and I think, uh, anyways, you'll be pleasantly surprised. But let me kind of give you a verse this morning to kind of give you the the heart that I would like to see all of us have, okay? And it's kind of what, if, if this is kind of you today, up up top, what we're talking about, th- this is kind of what, what I pray that would end up being in your heart, okay? So look at Psalms 27 with me. It says, One of my favorite psalms in the whole Bible. It says, one thing have I asked of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. That's not talking about a building. This is the presence of God. That I may dwell in the presence of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Listen, this morning, and those that people here, man, we were in pre-service prayer. The presence of God was in here so strong. I really didn't want to move. And the truth is, when the presence of God comes in a place, you know, listen, there's nothing like it. and here's what 's so great about God. When Jesus died, right we're going to talk about that next week. When he died, the Bible says, the veil." that basically only the priest could go behind was tore from top to bottom, right? And it was tore from top to bottom so we would know that God is the one making the invitation. It wasn't man, we didn't, it didn't tear from the bottom, right? God tore from the top and opened it up so we could come into the presence of God. It's the greatest invitation ever, right? And so li- listen what verse eight says. It says, my heart has heard you say, God, I've heard you say this, come and talk with me. Come and talk with me and my heart responds Lord, I am coming. I love that last part. Lord, I'm coming. So listen, I say this, say this that basically prayer is a uh, come as you are deal. Everybody hear me? I know this sounds so simple and so silly to so many of you guys because you just like do it. But, but, it's, but there's so many people that think I, they got to clean themselves up before they come to God. That makes no sense. It's, it's almost like this uh, for you guys that, you know, that have jobs, you get all nasty and dirty and filthy, whatever. Right. Do you ever go say, well, I think I'm going to clean up before I go get in the shower. You just go get in the shower. Right. Now, listen, your wife may hose you down before you come in the house. But listen, the point is, 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 uh, man, you kind of let God clean you up. Right. So, so it's simply this, when, when, when God says, come and talk to me, I want you to understand today that, that the creator of the universe has given you an invitation to be with him. Yeah. How cool is that, right? And, and uh, I like actually the way uh, Robert Foster said this. This actually is from, we have a, a men's discipleship group and it comes from the, the book that they've been using, but he said this, uh, we'll throw it up on the screen. He said this, the Lord is inviting you, that's you, you and me to come home, to come home where we belong. Where do we belong guys? It's in his presence. To come home to that for which we were created. What were we created for? Relationship with him, right? And it says, his arms are stretched out wide to receive us. His heart is enlarged to take us in. For too long we have been in the far country, a country of noise and hurry and crowds, a country of climb and push and shove, a country of frustration and fear and intimidation. And he welcomes us home home to serenity and peace and joy, home to friendship and fellowship and openness, home to intimacy and acceptance and affirmation. That's pretty good, eh? So so listen, let me maybe just say this, and I'll, and I'll move on. But if you're sitting here today and you're like, Pastor, I really struggle when it comes to this thing called prayer. Uh, I kind of want to encourage you to not, to not get discouraged, right? And, and it's simply this. Prayer is not something that you know, in other words, we see somebody in prayer, we're just like, oh, they pray, right? We go, oh my gosh, they're incredible, right? They didn't get there overnight. Yeah. Yet prayer is something that we learn. We learn how to connect with God. We learn how God speaks to us, right? Because he speaks to all of us different, yes? And, and so we learn how to kind of walk with God in our own rhythm, in our own way. But, but the key is this, once again, just do it, right? Turn to your neighbor and say, just pray. And uh, th- the reason I say that is because the more and the more that we respond to God, when He's inviting us to come pray, you'll find that it'll actually create a spiritual momentum, a spiritual hunger in your heart. Now, what do I mean by that? Everybody, hear me. What hear what I'm about to say. The, the more you pray, the more you will want to pray. The more you talk to God, the more you'll want to talk to him. That's that spiritual momentum. But guess what? And I think a lot of us in this room can uh, you know, testify to this, is that when we are inconsistent, when we start and we stop, when we start and we stop, we start and we stop our prayer lives, man, it is one of the most difficult things. Right. In, in other words, it almost the best way I can say it. It's almost like you're in a rut and you can't get out. Or, or maybe I don't know if you've ever been in that spot where you're stopping and going, stopping and going, and praying, and you you know you're supposed to, but you're fighting it and all that. And, and you go to prayer, pray, and it actually feels like you got like a lead gut in your in a your, uh, lead ball in your gut, and you just can't move forward. Anybody ever been there? Yeah, we got a five honest people. That's good. All right, here we go. Next week, well, after Easter, we'll be teaching on lying. And, uh, anyways, no. <laughs> Now, let's go back to the question, all right? So, go back to the question that the disciples asked Jesus. Now, let's actually frame it up in context of, in other words, of, of how they really said it when they said, Lord, teach us to pray or teach us how to pray. Now, how did Jesus respond to that question? We know that he gave them what? All right, now watch this. Here's what's so awesome. What I find so interesting about this, and they said, Lord, teach us how to pray, kind of got ahead of myself there for a second. But, but when they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. I think it's really interesting that if you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll never find another place in the gospels where the disciples are actually asking Jesus to teach them how to do something. Never. The only thing that they ever asked Jesus to teach them how to do is to teach them how to pray. If you, if you just want to think about this for a second, it's like they never asked Jesus, Jesus, can you please teach us how to teach and preach like you do? In other words, they never said, you know, Peter never said, hey, look, look, uh, the, you know, the Holy Spirit showed me on the day of Pentecost, I'm going to preach and and listen, I, I heard you preach that sermon on the mountain. I need to know what were the hermeneutical techniques that you used to get across your point on that day. They never asked him that, right? It's like they, they didn't say, you know, hey, look, Jesus, uh, you know, next week we got to cast out a demon and I need to know before I go in that, why did you, why did you uh, think it was so important to ask those demons if their name was legion? Like, what, why did you ask their name, right? It's like, okay, look, Jesus, we got we to gotta raise the dead and heal the sick. Can you please tell us why you stuck your fingers in that man's ears before you healed him? Am I making sense, y'all? It's like, you know, look, look, I want to be a weatherman one day. How did you speak to that storm? How did you walk on that water, right? It's like, I feel called to the marketplace, right? Anyways, this guy says, man, look, we, you know, I saw you multiply food and I, and I saw you turn water into wine. What was the trick, Jesus, how you held the bread? You know, was it the perfect angle that you looked up to heaven before you, yeah, right? All that sounds so stupid and so silly, right? But, but the point is, is simply this, is that these guys, according to what we know, they never asked Jesus a single thing, right? But, but here's what I believe that happened. I believe that they saw Jesus do all these incredible miracles, and they realized that the key to Jesus' life and Jesus' ministry was his, uh, was his soul connection to the Father, right? And and I think, for lack of better words, that they saw Jesus continually tapping into the resources of heaven. Therefore, one day they said this, if you can teach us how to have a relationship like you have with the Father, then we believe we can do what you do. So can you please teach us how to pray? Right? Right? And, and listen, if you, if you fast forward and you look at the, the disciples' trajectories, minus Judas, right? You'll find out that they were exactly right, right? Because did they not go do that? Yeah. Yes, they went and did that, right? So, so going back to this, okay? So they asked Jesus this question Jesus teaches how to pray. How does Jesus respond? We know that he obviously began to teach them what is infamously became known as the Lord's Prayer. Now I want to say something to you guys, okay? it has been my opinion for a while now that this prayer that we are about to read was never meant by Jesus to be something that we recite as some you know once again some spiritual ritual right rather I believe it was a model of prayer that Jesus gave us to kind of teach us to kind of help us to guide us along as we learn how to pray right and, and listen before we read this I, I think it's so funny I, I got invited to work with a high school football team actually it was a school that Noah went to there for a while when we still lived in Carolina and and they asked me I don't know how in the world they found out about me but I got a call one day and and this new coach was in town and he just took the job and he I think was from Georgia or something like that and he he said hey can you come be the chaplain of our football team I I love football I was game let's go I can I can pray and watch football that that sounds like a pretty good deal right I already do it every time Bama plays right so anyways (laughs) Uh, my prayers work better with Bama than they did with that team I gotta tell you that all right anyways they weren't that good. But anyway, so, at, so, you know, once again, every week, you know, my job was simply to, to gather them at the 50-yard line before every game, and I prayed with the team, and now you're talking about a tough spot, right? Because they're, they're ready to play football. They're not ready to get spiritual, right? And I think one time I did, a, I did a chapel service, and a whole bunch of kids got saved, and it was pretty cool. But anyways, but um, after every game, if they won or they lost, and they lost more than they won, they would gather up around basically the end zone, and uh, the coach would lead them in the Lord's Prayer. And you have about, I don't know, about 60, 70 kids quoting uh, the Lord's Prayer. They would recite it. And, and the, the thing that I sat back, I don't know, like, what, 10 weeks, whatever it was, and I, th- I think they, they made it to the playoffs, but anyways, we didn't last long. But um, anyways, I sat there week after week, and I listened to all these kids say it, and I kind of start with them, and then my, my mind would wonder. And I would go, man, these kids have no clue what they're saying you know, these coaches that were acting like five-year-olds 5 year a while ago, like somebody stole their toy on the sideline, now they're trying to get spiritual and quote the Lord's Prayer, right? And and so, anyways, th- th- this wasn't, once again, meant to be something that we just kind of check the box, some nice spiritual thing we do, but, man, if we don't connect to it in some way, we're kind of missing the point, right? So, so look what Jesus said here in verse 2. Once again, this is what he told them. It says, so he said to them, when you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed or holy be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. There's an extended version of that prayer in Matthew 6. But here's what I want us to see is I believe that Jesus intended for us to basically remember those things when we pray. In other words, it's kind of like this. The first thing that I think that Jesus wanted us to remember when we pray, that God is first and foremost a loving father who is not distant, but he's very personal. The second thing, though, I think you want us to realize is, man, guys, listen, he's still holy. Yeah. He's still holy. Look, he's perfect and he's powerful in all of his ways. Don't forget that, right? Jesus is not your homeboy. Yeah. Yeah. I hate that, right? Uh, Anybody I know that's ever had a encounter with Jesus, I'll tell you what, they weren't slapping him a high five. Their face was in the carpet, right? Because he's holy, right? And the next thing I think about prayer is this, when it says your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, I, I think prayer, he wants us to remember that prayer is really about discovering his will for our lives. And the reason I say that is because so often we treat prayer as if God is some wishing well or he's some genie that somehow is at our beck of command. That is wrong. Right? Uh, it is about finding his will and us coming in agreement with what he is saying and doing. Yes? And the next thing there where he talks about the daily bread, I think that's there where God wants to go, hey, look, I love you, and it's a reminder, I'm your provider. But watch this. There's something key there that I think we, we zoom past. Give us this day our daily bread. I think the other thing he wants to say is, look, daily, you need to be praying. Right? not when it's crisis time, right? And the next part where he says, look, God, uh, you know, once again, uh, you know, ask God for forgiveness, forgive those who are indebted to you. I think all that section's two things, that make, make sure that we maintain a, a heart of purity and also that we understand the value of relationships because if you don't get that part right there, how can you love the Lord thy God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself? right? So it's about maintaining relational purity and just purity of heart between you and the Lord. And the last part there about keeping us from temptation, I think it's simply this. They saying, look, it's important that you live a holy lifestyle. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Amen. So, so I think this may sound so simple, but that if we grab a hold of those things and we kind of keep those things as our main, uh, some of our main points as we pray, we'll be doing all right. Yeah. yeah? And we give room for him to talk to us in those things. Now, let's move on here. I want to show you actually what I believe is my, possibly my favorite part of this whole chapter, and it's the next part. You can flip to it. It's verse five. It says this: it says then teaching them more about prayer. So Jesus is staying in the context of what? Prayer. Talk to me, prayer. Right? Thank you, Noah. The rest of y'all. Whew. All right. Here we go. I'll communicate better. It says, then teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. He said, suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. And here's what you say, verse six. A friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing to give him to eat. It says, and suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. Yeah, in other words, I'm in bed Man, quit banging on my door! Leave me alone. The door's locked for the night, and my family and I are all in bed. And I can't help you. Listen, if you if you are uh, like me, and if those kids are asleep, man, it's like holy ground, right? Because you're just thankful you got some peace and quiet. And this guy's probably feeling that, right? Verse eight says, "But I tell you this: though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough." He will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. Now watch this. Clearly in context, Jesus is talking about being persistent in prayer, and we'll get there in a second. But but I want what I want to maybe pause here and talk about is for a second is I cannot tell you how many times over the last 22 years of ministry right, that that I have uh, thought about this portion of scripture and prayed this portion of scripture, man, constantly. Pretty, Pretty much it's like this. It's like it's happened time and time again. Here's how I pray it. It's either in a counseling session, after a service, at an altar, in a small group, over the phone, and, and it's so unique. It's like this. The location might be different, and the circumstances may be a little bit different as well, but there's a constant theme that remains to every one of those moments, and simply this, is that there's some person, Jesus calls them a friend, in front of me, right? And what's happening is, is they have come to me at their midnight hour. Am I talking to anybody here? Yeah. L- listen, and I wasn't expecting it, but truthfully it caught me off guard, right? Because they have a problem. They have a crisis in their lives and they don't know what to do. Now, here's the truth. Most of the time, it's, a, it's either an emotional need, it's a spiritual need, it's a physical need. It might be an issue with their marriage. It might be an issue with one of their kids. It, it might be that they need direction uh, with an aging parent. Maybe it's uh, whatever, they have a problem at work. Maybe it's a sin issue. Really, the list goes on and on and on and on, Right. And if I'm going to be honest with you, I can't explain to you the feeling that I have in that moment. It's called the feeling of inadequacy. I feel so helpless in that moment. I'm telling you all the truth, right? And the reason is, is this, is because just like that guy that was sleeping in his bed and his friend showed up and he wasn't expecting him and he had nothing to give him, that's all, I have nothing to give these people right? And I know that. And the truth is, is in the, in the natural, I can't solve their problem, man. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do next. And the truth is, is I have exhausted my abilities or resources before the conversation even began. But here's the good part. But I have a friend. (laughs) Are you hearing me? I have a friend. Thank God. I have a friend, right? And a friend that can do what? That he has never been confronted with any problem that he can't fix. And the cool part is this, is it's like this. I may not know the deal, but the Bible says that all wisdom and all knowledge is in him because he's the all-knowing God. And the cool part is this, is I, can't, I don't have any power within myself to break any chain that's on somebody else. But the good news is the Bible says he's an all-powerful God. Yes? Thank God we have that friend, yes? Now, now watch this. I, I do what any halfway intelligent person should do in that moment. I do my best to try to get out the way. I try to get out the way. And here's what I do internally, this person's talking to me, and I start knocking. <laughs> and I begin to admit, I say that God, this person just arrived at my doorstep. Clearly, God, they caught me off guard. I was not expecting that. I was watching a football game, God, and my phone rang. Right. My, what, there was no spiritual thoughts rolling through my brain. Right. And, and I don't have anything of substance. I don't have anything of value to give that person. Uh, but I know you do. Right. And it's this thought. So I'm asking you, God, God, can you please, I'm telling you, this is the inner dialogue. God, will you please give me a word of knowledge for this person? God, would you please give me a word of wisdom for this person? God, will you please give me some kind of insight that can breathe life into their situation? Because, God, I don't have it. And, Lord, you said in your word in Luke 11 that you would give me whatever I need to minister to this person. And I'll tell you what. For 22 years, God has been more faithful than not. And I'll really be honest with you. I'll tell you when the not happens is when I don't get out the way. That's when I think I have something to give. And when I don't end that meeting, I stay here, and I don't drop here and start listening. Yes? And say, Lord, what do you want to say? Because the Spirit's in you. The Bible says clearly I'm his kid. He'll talk to me, right? And it's when I think I got it, that's typically when it doesn't work, right? And those people go away, and I don't really help them. So, listen, let me, me, I kind of said all that so I can kind of get here. And kind of pause on where we're at, but this may sound odd. And I'm saying this because this typically isn't me. Two times this week, I sat in bed and I did not want to get out of bed. You ever had those days? Like, all I can say is, is like a dump truck of stress. <laughs> and I was so here and I couldn't get out of my head and I didn't want to get out of bed. And I began to think about, actually, let me rewind. I, I literally, I think, what was it, uh, Thursday morning, I think. I was like, Jesus, I need you to talk to me because I am struggling. And I begin to, I get, I get these devotions. I do read occasionally on emails. You know, you, you get 5,000 emails in 30 minutes, right? And so, and so I clicked on two of them. And one of them was like the Jesus calling one. And it was like a verse. And it was like spot on. I was like, okay, that's good, thank you. Next one I clicked on, I read this, and I thought, how timely is this? We'll throw it up on the screen. At the bottom of this guy's thing, it says, uh, let me even back up before we pop it up. He, he talked about Jesus being in the garden of Gethsemane, and, and basically how he was, basically said, all right, boys, right, Peter, John, and James, stay here, I'm gonna go pray. And he went and prayed, and he came back in an hour, and what were they doing? sleeping. All right, this happened how many times? Three times. And so the guy, the point that, that the guy was making is here's Jesus in the, in the most desperate time of his life. He couldn't find anybody to pray with him. And then he popped off this statistic, whatever you want to call it here, we'll throw it up. But it's a study, basically this, a study found that experiencing three or more incidents of intense stress within a year triples the death rate And socially isolated middle-aged men—that's me—and I think it's the first time I've ever admitted that I'm (laughs) middle-aged. I won't talk about some of you ladies that have been 28 for 28 years. But anyway,s all right. So I love you. Anyway, so the death rate in society isolated men, uh, middle-aged men. Watch this, but that same stress has no impact on the death rate of men who have many close relationships. Wow, right? Now, now here's, here's what I literally, I, I began to think about. God, what about all those people, not just men, but all those people that don't have anyone to go to so somebody can knock on the door for them? God, and then I thought about this, because this is really more of the problem. God, what about those people who don't have the courage or the vulnerability to tell one of their friends, I'm struggling, will you please start knocking on the door for me? Right, and, and so, you know, I, I did the only thing I knew how to do. Jen, come here. Please pray for me. I'm struggling. Please. I do not want to get up out of this bed. Right? And thankfully she did. Did it make me feel better? Not really. But, but in about, I don't know, 40 minutes later, I was ready to rock. I was good to go. Got in, got in the shower, locked in, and we, and we moved on. But, but here's what I want to see is, listen, if we're going to be a family here, then we got to uh, be willing to get honest with one another, Yeah, and we got to be willing to build strong and open and honest relationships. And if you're struggling, go, hey, I'm struggling. Nobody thinks less of you. You know why? Because we all struggle. If you don't struggle here, you you know, you're amazing, right? Everybody does, okay? So so in light of that, and we'll then pause and we'll get back to Luke 11, I want to show you a verse here. It says this in James 5. I just want you to think about this in the context. It says, are there any believers, did y'all know that just because you're Christian don't mean you don't have issues or problems, right? Are there any believers in your fellowship suffering great hardship and distress? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It says, encourage them to pray. I don't think that's just, all right, that's good you're struggling, brother. That's good you're struggling. Now, go on, go on, go on, go pray, go pray. I I think it's, hey, let's pray. (laughs) Let let's pray, right? Um, now, granted, if, if anybody has anybody ever heard of a guy named Doctor Cho, Doctor Cho, guy had the biggest church in the in the world for years and years and years. And I'm talking about like well over a million people. All right, they have a thing called Prayer Mountain. If a couple would come to them that are struggling in their marriage, they'd send them up Prayer Mountain, and they say basically, don't come out until you get it right. Go. <laughs> But then it says this, Are there happy, cheerful ones among you? Then encourage them to sing out their praises. Are there any sick among you? Then ask the elders of the church to come and pray over the sick and anoint them with oil in the name of our Lord. Verse 15, And the prayer of faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will raise them up. And if they have committed sins, they will be forgiven. Then it says, watch this, Confess and acknowledge how you have offended one another takes courage eh and then pray for one another to be instantly healed in other words that you can forgive one another for tremendous power is released through the passionate heartfelt prayer of a godly believer L- listen all, all that is simply do this do life with one another yeah that's it and, and listen if, if that's the outcome of us doing this then why wouldn't we want it yeah. I, I don't know about you but I don't I don't like standing in that cave y'all Jesus promised me life. There's no life in that cave. So I, I kind of want to come out. And I'll come out if y'all got to drag me out, but just get me out, right? All right, so let's go back to Luke 11, and we'll see if we can land this thing. Once again, remember the context that Jesus was talking about. He was talking about remaining persistent in prayer. Now, I want to talk to you guys that have been walking with the Lord for a while. That, that basically being persistent in prayer. Once again, he said what? He said that there's a guy that had somebody come to his house, need something. He goes, he starts knocking on the door until he got out of that, until his buddy got out of bed and gave him exactly what he was asking for. Now, watch where Jesus transitions to. He kind of stays with the same theme. Luke 11, verse 9. It says, and so I tell you, watch his next word, keep on asking. Now, this is important. Y'all look at me, Please. I've heard people say in the church, and I love them, and, I'm, and I, uh, appreciate, I'm appreciative of them, but they say that if you pray for something more than one time, you don't have faith. Well, this kind of flies in, flies in the face of that. Okay? And I've heard that for the last 20 years. And, uh, but Jesus said, keep on asking. And what that actually means in the original Greek language and the verbiage of it, it means continually ask. So don't stop asking, right? So it says, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Now, if I can add a verse to that, and this is key, don't miss this, is in Luke 18, one, he says this, Jesus talking. It says, one day Jesus taught the apostles to keep praying and never stop or lose hope. And then he went on and again what? Well we know it's the parable of persistent widow. But but here's the here's the point I want to make is why would Jesus tell us those things? Everybody listen please. It's because Jesus, the Son of God, right, is acknowledging that the Father doesn't always answer prayer immediately. I'm I'm saying this to encourage you because listen, I I have, I have ran into, I don't know how many believers here that they've said this, that we've been praying for revival for 20 years. Keep asking, keep asking. I've been praying for my kids for 10 years. Keep asking, right? Don't listen, don't give up. Don't get discouraged. Right. And, and I, listen, I honestly think that, that the reason Jesus told us that was, yes, to acknowledge that, but he also knows our natural tendency as humans and our flesh is to lose heart and to quit. Is that true? Yeah. And, and so, listen, I think he's simply encouraging us to keep on praying. Why? Because there's a key part here, because there's going to come a time, right, where the door will open and the answer will come, all right? Listen, we actually see this, and I just want to give you an example in Luke chapter 1. I told you we were hanging out with Luke today. In Luke chapter 1, we find this sweet couple, Zachariah and Elizabeth. Now watch this. Uh, we know that they're a godly couple, and these guys had a prayer request, right? They had a prayer request, and their prayer request was, God, give us a son. And they prayed, and they prayed, and they prayed, and they prayed, and they prayed for years. And guess what they didn't get? A son. Right? And so what happens when you don't get something what you want? One day I believe they did this. Totally discouraged. Man, forget that mess. Have you ever been there? Yes. I have. And I think that they took that prayer request, tore it up, threw it in the garbage until one day, here's Zachariah doing his deal, and unexpectedly Gabriel shows up. And what does Gabriel say when he shows up? He says this, watch, this is Bible. He says, your prayer has been heard. I think he went, what prayer? (laughs) What you talking about, Willis, right? (laughs) What you talking about? And then he said this, you and your wife Elizabeth will have a son. (laughs) Oh, That prayer, (laughs) that's what you're talking about, right? And, and, And so I think it's interesting if you stop and look at it, It just so happened to be that their son, let me rewind. The Bible says that in the fullness of time that God sent his son into this earth. And it just so happened to be that that prayer that they prayed for years and years and years and gave up on that their kid was connected to the Messiah that would come because he was called to prepare the way. It's called God's timing. And I say this, that God's timing is always right on time. All right, now let's bring a balance to this, all right? With that said, listen, you can keep on asking, you keep on asking, but what about those times where God tells you to stop praying about something? If you've walked with God long enough and you've tuned those ears in well enough, you're going to hear the Lord tell you not to pray about something. In fact, I remember one time we were, we were still living in Louisiana and we had a ministry team and I was uh, over this ministry team and we had this uh, first year student and a second year student, Uh, first year student was a guy, second student was a girl and they dated before they came to the program and we all knew they were going to get engaged to get married. yeah, in fact, at our graduation ceremony, he took a knee and proposed to her. It was great. She cried. It was beautiful. She said, yes, they're married today. He's a worship pastor. But I remember going, you know, they were both really, really gifted people. Uh, this boy could play guitar and he could sing his butt off, right? And she was great at the other aspect, drama and all that stuff that we did. And uh, and I remember praying one day, I said, "Lord, please speak to them and tell them to stay a, a part of our program because I knew they were considering moving to uh, the north part of our state and starting a ministry in, in, like ours in another church." And I said, "Lord, please speak to them." And say, and the Lord said, "Quentin, stop. Do not pray that. That is not my will." I mean, really stern. Right. And, uh, and I, and I just, okay. Hi, <laughs> uh-huh, Captain. You know, so, but, but it's like this, I, I think it's this is if that happens to you, you got to accept it and move on and you got to trust that God knows best. Yes. Right. Because he does. Second thing I want to add is basically what happens. Cause also be times where this, of when God simply chooses not to answer our prayers. I don't understand it, right? But but I'm, there's some that I don't get, and I'll leave it there. Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine: Secret things belong to the Lord. I don't understand it. Okay, I never will. When we get the other side, maybe we'll know. But but I think there's times where God simply chooses not to answer our prayers. And and the funny part about this, we're almost done. Is is this? As hindsight is twenty twenty. And the question I kind of want to propose to you today is this: Is have you walked with God long enough? to be thankful that he didn't answer one of your prayers. (laughs) Y'all hear me? Listen, have have you lived long enough to go, God, thank you so much for not opening that door. You know, it's funny, this morning while I I was uh, preparing, you know, it's... I'm sitting here going, God, I am so thankful. It's like I'm, I'm having flashbacks of these prayers that I prayed when I was a young gun, right? And, and, and that God did not give them to me. And I am so grateful. And I'll give you number one because it affects you guys. It's called my wife. You know why? Because I can tell you three girls. She's not here today. <laughs> I, I can tell you, I, I love my wife. I don't mean that in a bad way. If I, she was here, I would say it, okay? She knows all of what I'm about to say. i was saying it to mess with y'all. But... Edit it out. No, I'm kidding, anyway. So, <coughs> but there's three young ladies. I mean, listen, they were godly relationships, pure relationships. But, but you know, somebody told me along the way, look, uh, if there's a girl, man, that just kind of fits criteria, man, go for it, right? Like if you could see yourself marrying her, okay, <laughs> she's pretty, yay, <laughs> right? And but here's what's so funny is, is rewind before I ever had a Christian girlfriend. And I I remember sitting outside of my apartment in ministry school and I him back and forth and I would ask God, I think it was five things for in a wife. And I prayed it and 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 prayed it. And one day I finally went, God, there's no Christian girl like that. Not a pretty one anyways. I'm being I don't mean that to me, but that's what I said to the Lord, I'm being honest. And I literally did that that with that little mental prayer list I had, Poof, threw it away, and then here comes a girlfriend, and I and I fell in love more with who she could be instead of who she was. You ever done that one? And um, and God, I'll just add, we got we got fifteen seconds. I'll add a story. Here we go. Is I literally went to. Have Have you guys ever heard? This might offend some of y'all. It's but if, has anybody ever heard of Brownsville Revival? Brownsville Revival, Revival's in Pensacola, Florida. I had a buddy, I started dating that first girl and I never felt peace, never felt it. And I tried to force it, right? Because I saw who she could become. And, and I, uh, buddy said, hey, you wanna go down to this service? I said, yeah, it's awesome. He said, revival's happening. I was so young, I didn't even know what revival was. All right, let's go. Yeah, I was so young in the Lord. And I got down there and I sat. Now you understand, I, first time in my life, I got to church at seven o'clock in the morning and sat, maybe it was nine, and sat in line until the doors opened at six hundreds of people in line, right? And I, and I got up in there and I don't know, I was probably on about the 40th row or so. And I uh, said, hey, I'm gonna go down the altar and pray. And I walked down the altar and I knelt down. and I just asked God, God, if I'm not supposed to be with this girl, will you speak to me tonight? Will you tell me, God, that I'm not supposed to be with her? All right. This is after I asked her, oh Lord, I, I want to marry this girl. And uh, 19 years old, Jesus touched me. Anyways, so uh, I, I literally, I was Prayed that prayer, and I went back to my seat. I don't know, I was probably down there like 10 minutes. And and I was sitting there, and the evangelist was Steve Hill. It was preaching up a storm. when power of God was so in the place. And he hit the brakes like he pulled an emergency brake. And he went, um, there's somebody in here. You've been asking if you're supposed to be with a young lady. <laughs> and God says, boom, 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 boom. And he said that for about, I don't know, about three minutes. And then he goes, I don't know why, I just felt like I need to say that to someone. Thousands of people there. I'm like, Jesus, you so love me. Right? And, and so, you know, fast forward, right? And I remember, uh, we'll bypass that one because that wasn't no good. And then uh, the third one, I thought, man, this is it. I remember I sat down one day and I said, I was outside Chicago and I was sitting outside a hotel with a gal different rooms all that we were at a conference let me clarify that all right so I was sitting there and I said hey what do you want to do uh in ministry and I'm telling you I felt like I stepped out of my body and turned around and listened to me talk I was like oh this has got to be the one I mean it's like verbatim right and um we were really she was going to move to where I was at where I was working and uh, she called me a week before and said hey look I've never said this in a public forum by the way and she said hey um I was at a conference. <laughs> got to watch out for a conference. Anyway, so she said, the Lord spoke to me and told me that we're not supposed to be together. Never had an issue. Never. I mean, I've taught this girl for hours. And uh, man, I, I cried and I cried and I cried and I cried. And the main reason I cried was this, is God, I almost missed you. <laughs> That's what got me. And, uh, and so fast forward, we're talking like, Six months. I changed states, moved to Louisiana, and I'm sitting there one day in prayer, and I see Jen. Not physically see Jen. In my mind, I see Jen. And I see her separate. And I see natural, the flesh, and I see spirit. And I go, I love that. And God said, that's your wife. Right? And watch this. Then he went down my list that I prayed years before that I tore up. And he said this. He showed me how that girl who I thought had the same ministry mindset as me, he showed me how she wasn't that and how Jen was that. And after every time he showed me, he would say this line, Quentin, I am honoring your prayers. I am honoring you. And it was like, the, the only way I could say it, some of you guys don't know what this means, but it was almost like if there was a gong in my spirit and he was just hitting it, pow, it was ringing that loud. And I knew that's my wife. Am I making sense? Yeah. So today, watch this. And the last thing he added was this. He said, that girl, and he called her by name, he said, she has your vision five years from now, but Jen has it 20 years from now. And, and here's what I knew that he meant, that there's things that I desire in the kingdom of God that scared that other girl. I knew it scared her. And watch this. You will hear a funny additive? We're only four minutes over. It, it's this when I was actually talking to that other girl and we were kind of doing our little deal, I went and preached in Louisiana and I met Jen. Yeah. And I came back home and I said this, you got to meet this girl. And what I was saying in essence was, dear God, please let this girl meet Jen and let Jen rub off on her. Because <laughs> I had never met a girl in my life that could pray like that. Ever. Right? I mean, literally, literally, the first day I met my wife, um, my buddy Ben just said, hey, man, look, that girl's got the goods. And that other guy over there, man, he, uh, he, he can pray the house down. These guys will fast and pray for days. So the first day, uh, I was sitting there in a group, and I thought we were just going to worship and pray. It was a ministry school. And he goes, hey, Pastor Quentin's going to preach. I am? <laughs> you didn't tell me that. I'm not prepared. Right? and uh and so we worship for like two songs thank god he gave me something i preached and i said we're going to pray for you jennifer come here let's go pray for these people because i needed a girl with me to go pray for girls right and my you're right that's the way the ministry ran and so and so the very first day i met her we were prayer partners <laughs> pretty incredible fast forward a year later that's your wife right? And I didn't have any of those thoughts. I wasn't, truthfully, I wasn't, I wasn't interested at all, right? But then there came that day, I'm honoring your prayers. Yeah? Yeah. One more verse. So I'm pretty thankful for that today. (coughs) Amen. I miss her even now. All right, here we go. All right, going back and let's land this plane. Here we go. I love what Jesus does, how he closes this thing. He he closes it going back. He started the first, our father, and how does he wrap it back around? He goes back to the goodness of the father. In verse 11, it says this. Let me ask you this. Do you know of any father who would give his son a snake on a plate when he asked for a serving of a fish? And then he says, of course not. Do you know of any father who would give his daughter a spider, translations both say scorpion, when she has asked for an egg? Of course not. Watch this. If imperfect parents like all of us, know how to lovingly take care of their children and give them what they need, how much more will the perfect Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit's fullness when His children have asked Him? He, watch this. He went all the way to when, after He would die, the very thing that He would send Him in the upper room and pray for, that they would wait on the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Right? So, y'all, let me just end with this one thought. If you're serious about God in here and prayer is an important thing to you, every one of you should be asking God, God, will you please, you're a good father and you promised us there that you would give us the fullness of the Holy Spirit. God, will you give me the fullness of the Holy Spirit? Great place to say amen. Amen. Because I promise you, it will change your life. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Rachel, if you can come. Before I pray for you today, I simply want to ask one question. and just close your eyes if you can. And, uh, you know, the reason we ask you to close your eyes basically is basically you can just kind of lock in and focus on Him, on God, without being distracted. But I, but I want to ask you really one question today. Um, there's no way to engage into an incredible relationship with God if you've never started it. And uh, if you're here today, I just want to give you an opportunity. We're not going to embarrass you. I'm gonna simply ask you to just lift your hand. If you're, if you're here today and you said, you know, pastor, I've never given my life fully to the Lord, and I wanna do that today. Uh, man, I've been running, I've been uh, doing my own thing, but today I wanna to give him my life. If that's you, just lift your hand, please. Yeah, thanks, sis. Anybody else? Thank you, thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Come on, I'm not gonna embarrass you. Awesome. Five more seconds. Yep, thank you in the back. Yeah, thanks, sis. Thank you, sir. Awesome. Together, let's pray this as one family, as one unit. Um, If you lifted your hand, let me maybe say this before we pray. There will be some people down here at the altar at the end. If you would like somebody to pray with you, they'd be happy to pray with you. So let's pray this. Say, Father God, I come to you today in the name of Jesus and I confess to you that I've been running my own life and I've been doing it my way. But today, I recognize I need you. So I stop in this moment and I turn to you. I give you my life. I give you my sin. I give you my heart. And I ask you today to change me. I believe today that Jesus is Lord, that He did down across the cross for me, and He is alive today. And I ask that His uh, power would come alive in me and help me to live for You. I ask You today to fill me with the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Let my heart overflow with you. So thank you, Lord, that today is a new day, that you give me a new life. You give me strength to walk for you and to live for you. In Jesus' name. Let me pray for the rest of you. Father, thank you for today. Father, we thank you for every person that said, I want to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of my life. Father, we thank you that they would mark today as April the 14th that my life changed in Jesus' name. And so, Father, for the rest of us, well, I just got one prayer really for the rest of us. God, that you would fill us with the fullness. In Jesus' name, that you would fill us to the fullness of the Holy Spirit. God, we're not a group of people that wants a pile of religion. We want you. God, we want you. We believe you're alive and you're real and you're intimate, God, and you want to walk every moment of every day with us. And Lord, we're just asking God that as our hearts are yours that you would help us to do so. God, help us to not give up. God, help us to press on. Help us to be persistent people in prayer and persistent people in our faith. So Lord, today I bless your people. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for doing only what you could do in our lives. And Lord, we just take a second and pray for Easter service next week. God, we pray that you would fill the place overflowing. God, we have prepared uh, the t- table. God, we've made room at the table. And Lord, we just ask from the north, the south, the east, and the west, God, that you would bring people in and God, that you would fill this place and that their hearts would be prepared to hear the gospel message that you are alive. And Lord, we pray even now that the resurrection life would touch every area of their life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can we give Jesus a hand clap of praise? Amen.